You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bet, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty LaPaul. Broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Patty Lupone. <laughs> oh, and this is Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. Um, today you get just another, you know, girl on girl action with your two co hosts today, Daniel We're and s- Scissor fuck our way through. Yes. What's it called? <laughs> Showstoppers, the best Show of Broadway. Showstoppers. Also known as That's Singing. <laughs> That's what a title. I, I prefer that because, uh, especially since two or three of these numbers were just extended dance sequences. Don't even get into it. Do not <laughs> even start yet. We are so not there yet. Although I do think it should be with a question mark. That's singing? That's singing? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but enough about Susan Browning. Um, oh. No, the first thing we need to talk about is Stars in the House Seth Rudetsky yes. and James West- oh, Wesley. Oh, of course. Um, with special guest Randy Rainbow and extra special guest Donna Murphy and extra, extra special guest Patty Ann. Wait, I don't think I, I... I was just watching it before this. I don't think I got to the part with Donna. I mean, no, I, Donna I, came I know first. Oh, okay. Well, I only watched... I was I was watching Shut Up Lupone's Insta story, so that's why I only saw the parts that they were... Shut Up Lupone, I mean, and, you know, coming from me, take this as you will, Shut Up Lupone has a very narrow focus. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, but I did watch the part where Randy was talking and then they, like, suddenly dropped Patty in as a surprise. <laughs> yes. Did you see the part where they name checked me? Rather, he did. No, Patty did not. Patty, you didn't. So you watched what? Like twenty five seconds. I watched the first third of it. No, uh, that they, they talked about me right away. She didn't say anything. He said me. Um, oh. He was like the Ben Rimmelauer, and she was just like dead faced, Tony and Gold. <laughs> Traumatizing for her. <laughs> but um, I was actually scared because. Um, the thing he was, Seth was like, did you ever meet Patty before? And Randy um, said that uh, 
or that he knew that a, fr- a friend of his, a mutual friend, had shown Patty his stuff, and and then had and the friend had shown Randy an email of Patty saying he's great. Oh yeah, I did and hear so that, then, but that they didn't say right. your name, did they? No, no. Then he didn't. Then when Patty came on, they started talking, and then Randy said, "Well, what happened was." Uh, my friend Ben Rimmelauer showed me your email where you said that's great. Um, oh, okay. So, but the reason it made me uncomfortable <laughs> was because also earlier in the week there was, um, or like earlier in the day, every day is a week now in mm-hmm, quarantine truly. times. But um, there's this guy on Twitter and Instagram and stuff uh, named Tyler. Um, Tyler Milady, fuck me, what's his last name? This is a terrible podcast. Jones? Um, yes, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Milady yeah, Jones. The Patty videos. And and yeah, he's in this hilarious Patty videos. And so then I sent it to Patty and she said he's great or something like that. I, I, I love it. I, it's I, just like yeah. it's one of those stock responses on Google, on Gmail. She probably just clicks it and pushes <laughs> pushes send. <laughs> but so the thing is, so I sent I copied, I screen grabbed that for him, and then he posted that, right? Now, as you know, I have been down the valley of the shadow of death a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I did not give him Patty's contact information, you know? Right, right. Um, But I was a little worried that someone would show her that his post and that she would be like, Ben sent him my email. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like... I was like calming down, thinking like, okay, hours have gone by. My family didn't get COVID, and Patty didn't yell at me for like thinking that I gave her email out, right? I have, I and then I'm watching that. like stars in the house, like you know. And then Randy says, "Oh yeah, Ben Rimmelauer showed, showed, showed me your email." Yeah. I was just waiting for her to be like, "Stop showing people my email." No, Ben. Um, no, Ben. Uh, but anyway, uh, she was amazing. And, oh, my God. Uh, Just eating, I mean, eating the whole time. I love it. It's. It, I mean, you need oh, – I'm so mad you didn't watch it with Donna Murphy because you have to take the journey through Donna into Patty and then when it's Donna and Patty uh, and them saying yeah. hi to each other. I mean, you missed the whole thing. We should just cancel everything. Well, I was like, watching it right before we started this, so I would have we would have had to have delayed this uh, session. I mean, I would be happy to delay endlessly. I mean, when else do you get to see Patty and Donna have like an awkward social interaction? Totally, totally. In like a Zoom session with Seth <laughs> and his husband and Randy Rainbow, and um, well, I oh love she, was, she did drop she did uh, talking about Randy's show. She did say Bernadette, which I was. You know, and so you missed the context for that because he had just said that he's like, you know, he was saying what an amazing week he'd had doing the show. And like one night, um, Joanna Gleason came, and one night, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Bern- uh, Donna Murphy came, and one night, Bernadette Peters came. And then Patty's like, um, she's like, well, was it what when was the show when when Bernadette and um, and Joanna Gleason and and, and somebody else came. <laughs> Somebody else was Donna Murphy that was like there on the show, um, ah! but but she was like when she was like Bernadette and like Seth and James like fell off their chairs like dying and then no I saw um, that and then uh, uh, and then and then Donna came in and 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 Patty's like hi Donna and mm-hmm. and Donna was like hi honey how are you I, I, love, just, it. I love it I love it. 
living for it. I just wanted Randy. I mean, Randy and Seth want the same things we want. Totally. 100%. They were dead silent. I think you'd think their screens were frozen because they did not want to impede the conversation between Patty and Donna. But it didn't continue long (laughs) enough. Um, Um, Wait, but, but Patty and Donna don't have beef. Well, okay, they don't call her all beef patty for nothing, okay? Like, <laughs> it's true. Patty and Donna, like, are, you know, in the range of Patty's relationships with, like, her fellow divas. <laughs> they are on good terms. They did the workshops of, um, or readings, rather, of war paint together. Right, right. As a matter of fact, uh, when I went to see Patty uh, do the Lady with the Torch at 54 Below, mm-hmm. Donna was there at the VIP VIP booth yes. with, um, like, uh, Michael Greif and, and Scott Frankel and Michael Corey, or uh-huh. I don't know, Michael Greif and, and a couple of the other ones. Doug okay. Wright, maybe. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, um, you know, I feel that it's it's tenuous with, with any woman that, <laughs> with you know. Any bleeding lady. With, <laughs> With any leading lady. I mean, you know, if they're under a certain age or over a certain age, it's okay. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I mean, uh, what was I just thinking of? Well, I told you about, um, did I tell it on the pod already about um, Replacement Ava? <laughs> yes, about, you have. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's my favorite story you got ever. The receipt. But tell it again for any new listeners. No, no, no. We're not recycling pod stories. Um, but Since I do when? feel that... What's that? I said, since when? <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, I do feel like Patty has a file on all actresses where she's Truly. It's like, that, it's like that Joan Rivers joke file. Like, Patty just has a little mental index yeah. card of everyone who's wronged her. And it's it's not just like Bernadette and Glenn Close, like everybody no, kids around. They have their own cabinet. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. There's like a there's like the theater, you know, the barn, and then there's like the Bernadette room. <laughs> Bernadette basement. But I feel that the files are on people you would not necessarily think would be, like, an issue, you know? Totally. Like, I mean, I'm talking about, like, the Judy Blazers and, you know. The, totally. Like, totally. I, I think it's deep. Um, so funny. Um, anyway, yeah. that was, it was pretty nuts. But I will say for Patty that, um, like, you know, I mean, it's just funny. To, you have to watch it because you have to watch Patty and Donna – because they're they're both crazy divas, and uh-huh. then they're also both real human beings. <laughs> yeah. But the ways in which they're a crazy diva <laughs> and the ways in which they're a real human being are different. Right, right. So, like, there's some things about Donna there that are very, like, like uh, she almost has, like, a... Stuff is coming up and I'll bring it in. Uh, oh, wait. Hold on, Daniel. Let me call you right back. Okay. Okay. Okay, so, we're recording now. Okay, so I was saying that <clears throat> both Patty Lupone and Donna Murphy. Yeah. Well, let me have... say, let me say, while you you were running to the elevator to do something just now, and in that time, I I quickly switched over to YouTube and watched the Patty and Donna interaction. So I'm I'm up to speed. Well, you know, they each have an aspect of their personality that is a grand. Uh, diva, mm-hmm. and they each have an aspect of their personality that is like a down to earth human being, and right. it's just funny because those they're not the same. The ways in which Patty is human are different than the ways Donna is, right. and the ways Donna is human, you know, etc. And the ways Patty is know, human is asking for more popcorn, and Donna's well, is uh, not know, having a good Wi Fi connection. 
Well, ex- but also it's like, you know, so Donna has like proper lighting. She's wearing a beautiful dress. Like yeah, hair you know, done. I mean, it's, it's simple. Hair Her hair's done. You know, Donna and she's like. Even though she's know, in Donna, some sort of box office? <laughs> well, no, they both have like some little corner of their apartment or yeah. their house or wherever <laughs> where they record shit and where their printer is and all that crap, right? So Donna turned on her lighting and did the whole thing as if she was doing a self-tape <laughs> audition, you know? I mean, she could be going on Rachel Maddow and she would have given it the... Yes, and she, she gave Seth Rudetsky the same treatment. Patty's yeah. like, what? Seth wants me to call in and talk to Randy Rainbow? Oh, he's a hoot. Matt, give me the popcorn. You know, Matt's yeah. walking around in the background. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, there's like no lighting whatsoever. I mean... Patty you know, says she's pantsless. <laughs> you know, I mean, Pat, her thing is like, you know, there's a little bit of a sense... I don't want to say too cool for school because she's actually like being sort of sweet and lovely and generous but there's just the sense that like she's like gracing us with this whereas donna's a little more like seth is my peer i'm here to like appear on his show you know like donna pays a little more respect to that you know whereas patty's like ah oh, honey like we don't have to do that we're all friends you know it's a little more like neighborhoody or something with patty but there's all yeah. it's like it's like a double-edged sword on one hand that makes patty more down to earth and like you know, there's a Yiddish word, Hamisha, like we're all yeah. just friends. But on the other hand, it's a little bit more like grandiose because it's a little bit like, well, surely I don't have to like present for Seth Rudetsky, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that's, and it's, I see what you're saying, but I feel like that's a very like Ben Rimmelauer, like deep knowledge of Patty take on things. Cause like for me, just watching it, I was like, oh, like Patty is coming off as so human and just like, lovely and just one of the boys you know like in her sweats and eating popcorn um you know in front of her like you know a pc or whatever and and donna's a little more like you know like jerome crawford said like if you want the girl next door girl next door it's like donna seems like an actual like she put in some work she's actually presenting as a diva whereas yeah. patty is a little more like proletariat you know yes uh and it's funny and it is that's patty how that is proletariat she is proletariat. I mean, also, um, I appreciated. I felt like Patty was right there with Randy. Like, no mm-hmm. matter what Randy said, and Randy was like making some sharp turns and throwing stuff is, back in Patty's he's the face. Funniest person. He's so he's funny. just so smart. But like, Patty was able to like get it right away. Whereas with the Donna yeah. interview, it felt a little more like there was like a digital delay, and it was like nobody knew what the other one was talking about. You know? Yeah, totally. Well, but then and- again, you know, Patty also has it served to her on a platter. I mean, Patty comes on, and you know, Randy's like practically in tears. Although Patty cried like four times, but you know, Patty cries yeah. anyway. That's just Patty. Yeah. You know, but 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 Randy's like right away. You know, you are my number one. I yes. felt uncomfortable that Donna was sitting there. You know. Right, right. I mean, I don't think he would have said that if Ms. Peters had been in the group Zoom. No, no, no. But no, then no, again, no. of course, Patty and Bernadette wouldn't have been in a Zoom together. You know, not for Seth Rudetsky, not for Rachel Maddow, not for no one. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and I think, you know, Patty, I've been thinking a lot about Patty as we all Me have too. the past few weeks. Me too. Oh, my weeks. God. <laughs> what a kawinky what a dink. Because... Um, you know, on, on the Rosie broadcast, a lot of um, what these actors were talking about, like, they kept bringing up this idea of, like, well, actors are insecure. You know that, Rosie. We're all insecure. That's part of it. Yeah. And Rosie's like, yeah, girl, I know. And But that's something I never get from Patty. I always just get this kind of... You know, even if it's, it, even if it's from a, a place of... of um, 
don't know what the word is like, uh, you know, well, fuck them. But, it, it, you know, I never get the the sense that Patty is like trying to prove herself or like trying to impress someone. I, I always or, or even or even just, you know, she's scared of what people are going to think or say. I just always get the sense that she's very confident, very secure and uh, just a good time gal, you know, she's well, she is a good time herself. gal. I mean, I think the thing about Patty where she doesn't have those kind of like performer type insecurities comes mm-hmm. from like, as far as musicals go and singing, you know, she was not just the star of all her shows as a kid growing up, but mm. she was the one that, you know, they all said was most likely to be famous. And that was like, yeah. you know, the, the domineering personality in the town or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I think Patty always had a sense, you know, she says it like, you know, I knew that I belonged on the stage, that my career yeah. would be on the Broadway musical stage, <laughs> you know? So that's her as far as musicals and singing. And then as far as acting, she is in a rare, as far as American actors go, she having gone uh, through the acting company uh, mm-hmm. in the seventies and back when it was really, you know, I guess it maybe still is, but being, you know, in that repertory theater company with, that was a, such a high quality one where she was with Kevin Klein and, and right. um, uh, you know, I don't know, Sam Shudrevis and, you know, all those wonderful, wonderful people. Sure. Mary Lou Rosado, yeah. who's the one that they always talk about though, that, that uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, um, David, um, uh, three names from MASH motherfucker anyway it doesn't matter you know she was in really good uh she had a kind of acting training that was so practical that was Mm. really about i think for so many american actors and um you know there's this sense i think they were a little bit poisoned by the era of um method acting in Mm. the sense i don't mean in terms of a way that gets in the way of their art as actors because maybe that works for some of them but but I think as far as their insecurities there's this idea that acting is like voodoo and that like yeah. there's no that there's no real measure of what a performance needs to be and that yes. everything is just completely unknowable yeah, and that it's feely, just a feely. mystery you know yeah. uh, but 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 even more than feel yeah it's like there's you know whereas I think Patty has something that's a little more common like in Europe yeah. because she came from that repertory background that it's very much like no these are the skills like you want to do yeah. Shakespeare, you have to learn iambic pentameter and you have to learn to yes. sword fight and you have to learn to walk in this kind of a skirt. And you want to do the Greeks, you have to learn this. And you want to do Chekhov, it's all about the vowels or, you know, whatever the mm. fucking tricks of the trade are, you know, they learn them all and then applied them all doing theater, repertory theater on the road, you know, for four years where they would do, you know, however many plays they did in a season back to back on different nights of the week yes. all across the country, having to adapt it to different spaces where they really were able to, I think, to get outside of their own heads and just, you know, there was just a matter of delivering. If you were playing the three sisters in two different cities in the same week in very different theaters or whatever, it was, it became less about this like abstract sense of, do I have the magical calling, you know, and more just about like, did I get the job done? And ultimately I think what that really gives them is a real sense of what the job is. So I think Patty has like a real confidence in a basic skill set that she has that even other American actors that might have that skill might even have it better than she does might Mm -hmm. not just have such a very um, cut and dry practical appreciation of what that is. And then she has, I think the sort of, um, the confidence and even ego of being just kind of like a, like, you know, 
the her birthright being this just kind of like you like, know <laughs> musical theater kind of like goddess status that was always right. like sort of destined for her you know well um, and she's also you know she's uh italian and and i've you know been watching uh the Sopr- rewatching the sopranos and i'm like literally <laughs> i'm like which i'm like which character um which which character is the Patty Lapone of the Sopranos? Literally all of them. Tony, yeah, Janice, totally. Uncle well, Junior. I'm like, they're you, all Patty. She's very Uncle June. You know, she was very close to getting Janice. Oh, I know. And I every time, I mean, especially in the later seasons, which is what I'm on now, uh, there's a lot of Janice uh, material. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I can totally see Patty. But being I so love right Aida Turturros. Oh, so I do too. Much. She's I mean, brilliant, brilliant. And, and talk about Falco, like a unique performer who just oh, totally. is, there's nobody like Aida Turturro you know totally and I mean her her portrayal of Janice Soprano is just oh it's just like you know just like um what's the word no no makeup no it, it's just yeah, so, warts and all warts and all baby totally yes. so well good. speaking of warts let us begin yeah. to talk about yeah. that singing <laughs> Yeah, speaking of um, not being the opposite of The Soprano, which is Ethel Merman. Now, okay, um, let me just say that I grew up on this video, and I haven't oh, watched oh, it. did you? I just watched it last night, but I hadn't watched it in at least 20 years, maybe 25 oh, or 30. That. And I feel like I've learned so much about myself <laughs> from oh my God, I can't seeing wait. this video. Like. And so that so what this was for the people that don't know was uh, it was originally called Showstoppers: The Best of Broadway, and it was mm-hmm. a one night uh, television special that was a live concert filmed fatally at the La Mirada Center for the Performing Arts, just a hundred mm-hmm. miles outside of Los Angeles mm. in 1982. Yeah, um, 82. Ho- such a weird time. Such a weird Early time. Early 80s. It's it's the worst because it's. It's, it's so basically what it is, is like the seventies, it's that point in the eighties when it's still the seventies, right? The real eighties haven't started. And even if they've started in the East village loft where Madonna is like, you know, giving blowjobs for studio time, they have not started. They have not started in the mainstream of like televised show business, let alone televised musical theater show business. So it's still the seventies. With none of the new wave, cool rock and roll, punk right. 80s moment that's about to happen, and yet none of the '70s coolness is still on. It's all come off. This is not the '70s of you know fucking like Studio Fifty Four and Andy Warhol mm. and and yeah. Cher and Patti Smith. This is not that yeah. '70s. This is Tom Bosley. You know, five Tom seasons and weird into his success as as the as as yeah as as Mr. Cunningham on Happy Days, and like. It's just so unbelievable as a U.S. American in the year 2020 <laughs> to watch this and like, and I grew up on Happy Days. Like, I understand that Tom Bosley is like a television like major personality who was like extremely popular. Well, see, and I like, only know him from Murder She Wrote. So literally, I was like, oh, this is like Sheriff Amos Tupper like hosting this night of uh, Broadway singing. What? It's so it weird. So bizarre. Right? Like, you're just like. In what universe today would they choose like a middle-aged man? Hundred percent. I was like, so weird to host but this I thing. And it. I love him, mm-hmm. but their whole broadcast is like, I this is so badly directed and produced. Like one hundred percent, so I think badly that, directed. Like they're trying to. 
I think that you have to like, if you're going to capture like a live musical theater performance for TV, you want to capture the excitement of being there live, which yeah, they don't. The you want to make it feel like an audience. event. You want to feel like yeah. the goosebumps of sitting in the audience, right? Which is exactly what Scott Ellis did on the My Favorite Broadway that we talked yeah, about last week. Totally. But this, they're trying to kind of have it both ways, and they really want to make it feel like a TV special. So there's yes, people singing yes. like into a close up in the camera a lot. Yeah, and like almost they all show of them. them like walking around weird parts of the set, which by the way is like, like overly elaborate. Yeah, and, and like, it's like um, Jerry so Orbach is like backstage. For half of his it's song. It's so terrible because you feel that the audience is not engaged in what's happening. So you are right. not. It's right, like, right. The, you know, and I guess it was different. Like, I know that in 1982, this was already a dead thing, but maybe the mm-hmm. culture they were still responding to of like the Merv Griffin show and Dinah Shore and like what yeah. had been in the 60s and 70s, maybe in that world, somebody could sing in close up into the camera on a TV special and like, it was just that would have been enough to make a connection, but it dies a thunderous death. Yes, one hundred percent. So that said, there's it's an incredible lineup of stars, yeah, and it's I mean, very exciting to have some of these performances beginning. And I mean, there's really unbelievable. It begins with Ethel Merman singing "Everything's yeah. Coming Up Roses," which is just astonishing in itself because, like, some of the people that are in this are still around, like Cheetah Rivera, and of course the younger ones. I mean, Barry Boswick, yeah. Donna McKechnie. I mean, we know Donna McKechnie. Yeah. So it's amazing to think of them being in the same world as Ethel Merman, because to me, yes, Ethel Merman now 100%. is like. I think of Ethel Merman the way I think of like Ben Franklin or like Franklin <laughs> Delano Roosevelt. At she least, is you the know. Ben Franklin of, of uh, Broadway for sure. <laughs> With the same uh, hairstyle. With the same hair. Listen, that was like, I would say 20% of my notes that I've written down are about Ethel's wig. If that is a wig or maybe it's that, that's her real hair. But I feel like I glimpsed a little bit of lace. It um, has to be her real hair because why would you put a wig so far back? Well, I mean, I don't know. Was she losing her hair or something? Like, well, all that the was more her natural hairline. Use the wig. I mean, it's Ethel Merman as we saw her in the movie Airplane. It's literally the same year that Airplane came out, right, in 1982. That's true. And like, um, that wig, though, is not doing her any, or that hair is not doing her any favors. I mean, it's, it's, she, by the way, she's young. I kept thinking she was in her 80s, but uh, she was born in 1908. So she was 75. Mm. So she was the same age as Bette Midler is today. Wow. Which in some ways stands to reason because she has the same body type and physicality in this as Bette Midler (laughs) does today. Yeah. Like you want to think like Ethel's all fat, but she actually has like a tight square little body. It's very square. (laughs) And, um, and she's actually like rather agile moving around. (laughs) She's agile, but I mean... Uh, I mean, she definitely, like, is, like, what's the word? Like, um, there's something (laughs) pendulous about her steps. (laughs) I mean, she, you also, you want to make fun of her vibrato, like, it's so far apart or something. Like, but her voice, technically, on paper, you can't really complain about the performance. So I'm not sure why it is so empty and meaningless to me. The thing I will say about Ethel, her voice to me sounds the same as it ever has. But, um... I've I've recently come to a realization about Ethel, and it's, I also last week I watched um, for the first time. It's a mad, 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 mad world with Ethel in it, 
And I like I love listening to her on all those old cast recordings, like of course Gypsy and it gets your gun. But watching her perform, even in movies, I'm like, it's it's very vacant to me. And she's not like an actress, you know? It's like she has this big belty voice, which I'm sure was thrilling to see from the balcony, you know, of whatever. <laughs> let alone the but, front row. <laughs> let alone the front row. But it's like there's really not a lot of um intimacy that she creates. Have you seen um Although people say that, I mean, that movie is not that well regarded, but people say that her performance in It's a Mad, Mad World is one of her best screen acting performances. Oh, really? Um, Have you seen um, the movie of Call Me Madam? No, I need to. I mean, it's pretty enjoyable to watch, first of all. And it's her playing one of her bigger successes pretty much around the time when she made, did the show, you know, so it, mm-hmm. it preserves what was special there, you know? Um, yeah. But I mean, it definitely like leaves something to be desired the way you're describing. And the other movie mm-hmm. that I really love her in is um, there's no business like show business. Mm, I've never seen that either. Uh, oh, you would love that. It's like Mitzi Gaynor and Marilyn Monroe and it's like a big mm. romp, you know, mm. but, um, but the I thing have. is like, there's definitely something she's got going on in those movies that she ain't got here in this video. Um, yeah. I mean, my favorite moment of Ethel Merman's in this video is when she says, um, our host, Mr. Tom Bosley. <laughs> <laughs> um, and something else I was thinking as Ethel was performing, like, um, I was kind of squinting and I was like, if you kind of squint just the right way, she has a very Viv Vance quality to her. Which I'm like, this is what, I mean, Vivian Vance, I think is much more in like, uh, lovable in like a human way. And yeah, especially cause we know her as Ethel, like the faithful sidekick. But yeah. I was reminded of when I was reading the Vivian Vance biography, I think it's called the other, other side of Ethel Mertz. And they, <laughs> of course they talk, ab- uh, they talk about, um, how, Vivian Vance was Ethel Merman's understudy on Broadway for Anything Goes. And I never knew that. Isn't that incredible? And I was like, if Vivian Vance, if, I mean, obviously she had a huge break as Ethel Mertz, but like if she had had a different career trajectory, she could have been like an Ethel Merman type back in that day. Even though she didn't quite have, I don't think the great belt that Ethel had. Like she I mean, still even was if like she a did have a great, person. Even if she'd had a better voice. I mean, Ethel Merman was literally like, completely alone i mean there was nobody yeah, that that's you know. right um but uh but it's i mean all, to be fair also though the quality of this upload is a little like fuzzy mm-hmm. um and for some reason merman's like mannish face and like large forehead like it is especially hard to like connect to and also they film her in a lot of wide shots for obvious reasons. And also because they want – one of the few halfway smart decisions they made directorially was to, like, you know, to capture the grandeur of Ethel Merman singing Everything's yeah. Coming Up Roses. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're wide shots because it's you know, supposedly filling the space. But, you know, although P.S. La Mirada Center for Performing Arts – is a perfectly fine place to see, like, you know, a summer stock production of Kathy Rigby in South Pacific. But it's not, <laughs> but it's not, um, 
it doesn't have like the you know the vaulted sense of like a Carnegie Hall or like it, right. you know, it doesn't feel like an event you know anyway but it, it it did have that vibe of like a performing arts center in like some at small best but uh, but also like but the but the but the wide shots don't help her to to come through on camera right um, through. But so she so anyway, so she introduces uh, Tom Bosley, and one of my favorite lines in the whole thing is when he says, "Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Ethel Merman." <laughs> she does not fit in either category. <laughs> um, I was just like that. He says her whole name. Um, but my note on that moment was musical theater in 1982 was not glamorous. It sure was not. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's so it's so show like this whole thing is so showbiz, but it's so like um it's like tired it's lacking like culturally yeah. irrelevant show <laughs> Yeah. It's so clear I mean, that like the art and like excitement at the center of culture in nineteen eighty two was far from what was happening in this television production. That's right. And the next number is a further indication of that. Why do they then go to a Fucking damn. Now, I mean, I have to say, I wouldn't have been able to answer if you had said to me 48 hours ago, like, you know, American Dance Machine. Why is that so triggering to you, Ben? I would have been like, I don't know. But now I know. (laughs) Because every time they introduce the fucking American Dance Machine, what does that mean? It means like a generic company of like talented young like dancers Mm. are going to come dance a piece of musical theater that they have no connection or to yeah. or affinity for for so two d- hours just completely like divorced from any story or context yeah, they're going to do no these sense. numbers i mean I, it's i have had nothing but love for the musical can can since i saw patty's absolutely heroic performance in mm-hmm. the city center encore's production in 2003 or 4 um ab- obsessed with what she was and that whole show but seeing a number a dance number by the way not the song can can it's the fucking song quadrille of all the like boys and girls like f- screwing around or whatever like for no- why would they put this on this broadcast this video is the reason that i hate dance yeah totally truly is like the worst of of that idea of putting dance on tv and I, I mean, the only thing I can think of is were they trying to appeal to like a younger audience because they did a lot of later in the show, they do a lot of stuff from Greece and they try to really. No, um, they do one song from Greece. It just goes on for so long because it's a piece of shit with middle aged people that have no well, business singing those songs. But we will truly. get there. We will get there. And then there's the other dance. Now, I don't know. I'm just like oh. in that in the context of the uh, early 80s, like what was their end goal? Like what was their. It, what were they trying to achieve? Well, they keep in- talking about dance. I mean, at the end, you know, um, when Tom, when Tom Bosley says something like, you know, well, we'll always have the music, the lyrics, the shows, the dances. I mean, you know, people think of dance as a big part of musical theater as it is. Yeah. But this is just like, it's, it's dance that only has value for dance sake. Yeah. And, and even that is like a very like vanilla, Mm -hmm. not exciting. It's just, 
Right. It, it, in any way. So, so that happens. And then to like kick but things then, into honey, high gear, you would think. To really reward us. My lover and life partner from last week's episode, <laughs> Nell Carter, is back to sing my favorite song that she did in Ain't Misbehaving, Cash for Your Trash. Yeah. yeah. But even this does not electrify it. When you and I are going to watch the video of the original production of Ain't Misbehaving and maybe even do that on the show. But yeah, yeah, yeah. when you see her do Cash for Your Trash in the original, it is like watching, like, you know, young Patty sing Buenos Aires or something, or like mm-hmm. Andrea McArdle sing like maybe. But mm-hmm. something about it here, I I don't I feel like well, she, I it, was thinking like she was I know she had like bad substance problems. And I was thinking mm. she seems like she's all drugged up and fucked up. But then later yeah. when she sings Mean to Me, it's heartbreaking I mean, and fabulous yeah, and everything. Totally. So I don't know well, what this, it is. This but- number seemed a little unfocused to me. It was just a little – it was so broad. And I mean it kind of seemed a little like a drag – I mean I, I kind of wrote my notes like is um, – Oh no! I wrote in my notes. I need. I want to see Latrice Royale do this number, but with like you know death drops and like backflips and that shit. That is like that already is like so like not what it was supposed to be like originally. Right. Exactly. Know? But like, but like you know, Nell's kind of like uh, uh, running around the stage a lot and like swirling her dress and stuff. And um, I mean, it did seem. It almost seemed like she was doing like. Liza or something it was just so high energy and like a lot of uh kind of movement and hand motions and stuff but it also felt kind of like like heartless and meaningless and like you yeah, know, yeah, yeah the stuff that she would do like um real bonds like you know what I'm talking about honey like all those little asides which by the way are mm-hmm. scripted or mm-hmm. at least they're the same ones she was doing for years in that song they feel so rote you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, another horrible decision made by the producers is that there's a laugh track. Like, in addition to whatever actual response they get from the good people of La Mirada, there's also, like, canned <laughs> laughter, which really fucks it up. Um, but mm-hmm. the next number, which is still not as wonderful as you want it to be, um, but- does have the first performance of the night to break through. And yeah. it might be because she's the only person whose eye makeup translates through the grainy video. But Donna McKechnie and You Could Drive Donna a Person Crazy finally McKay. is thrilling. Well, first of all, she looks... I, I, they said Donna McKechnie, but I was like, is that Joanna Gleason? Looks like Joanna Gleason. And also, she looks like um, Joanna Gleason for some reason. Like the hair color, just, I don't know, through the grain. But um, I think... Uh, this is the only time I've seen Donna McKechnie without her Donna McKechnie hairstyle that she still has to this day. Yes. I was like, who, what is that? And then. But she got I, those Donna all, McKechnie eyelashes on though. She yes, sure so. do. But and she I looks love her so much for it. Amazing. Oh, she oh looks my God. Amazing. I would fuck her. Zing. You want to know how Michael Bennett was married to her? I watched this video and I am like, give me that ass. Yeah. I like got so horny even more so than I am watching this. And, and first of all, I love this song from Company. I would say the more times I see Company or or see this song performed, except for what was it? Was it Marriage Story where they tried to perform this number and I hated it? Yeah. Um, but I love this song so much. This is one of my favorite songs from uh, Company, the musical. It's exciting to see the original choreography. Yeah, yeah, and, and um, it's it funny because like, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, no, it's just, it seemed like, um, I mean, Donna looks so good and she's so wonderful. I mean, and she does get the heavy lifting. I mean, Donna, in addition to being the soprano part in the trio, she gets the bridge or whatever you call it, middle section, which is, you know, I mean, and it's, and, and, and it just sounds amazing and it's just so wonderful and so bright and cheerful um, and, uh, high energy. Um, oh, by the way, I love Tom Bosley's like dumbing it down for Middle America 1982 yeah. description of company. <laughs> it's about a yeah. bachelor who drives everybody crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A like, nice segue. Why didn't they use that to market the show? But um, totally. And it's fun to see Pamela Myers looking less freakish than she ever did before yeah. or after, because like young Pamela Myers was. Like, I didn't even such recognize a- her. She was such a weirdo as a youngster. Yeah. And she's definitely yeah. like assumed that sort of like um uh what's the woman from like Mary Tyler Moore that was in the drowsy chaperone? Yes, I was just about to say that. Um Georgia Engel. Yeah, she, she's assumed as a middle-aged older woman, she's assumed her Georgia Engel fabulous yeah. daffiness. But for this one brief moment in 1982 with like her long hair and like really, really like slender body, she just kind of seems like someone's like wife or something like yeah i mean she's just like she's just this like attractive like young actress yeah totally well it's so funny you said that about mtm because i wrote down like donna mckechnie has such mary tyler moore energy in this number and then i was like oh and susan browning could kind of be rhoda oh and no. No, 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 no 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 Susan Browning could not be Rhoda. I apologize on behalf of Valerie Harper. Susan Browning is well, everything that was physically. wrong. Not even physically. That You only think that because she looks fat in this video. Susan Browning has like never been like, <laughs> she was always thin in the 70s. She's just terrible. I never understood why Susan Browning got those parts. Susan Browning is so awful. And then there's that, that, I mean, she's, you watch her in company and you're just like, I mean, it's 1970. You have to wonder Mm -hmm. if like Betty Buckley and Bernadette Peters showed up to this audition. How did they not choose Mm. them? You know, like, Mm. and then like, you know, and she, she, she sings, you know, Barcelona, you know, and he, and, uh, and, and he's like, and he's like, June. And she's like, April. I mean, she can't, be- <laughs> she can't belt. Her soprano voice is ugly. There's that Stephen Sondheim wow. evening from like the museum or whatever that's recorded. It's got like Angela as the special guest and it's George mm-hmm. Hearn and um, Judy Kay. Uh, and you've just got Susan Browning like stinking it up. Wow, um, I seem to touch a nerve. I'm just well. I just I and it bothered. I was already mad at her when this video started because they do the stars' <laughs> names at the beginning, like it's like this like night of a thousand stars, but they yeah. do them alphabetically. Yeah. So they're like Tom Bosley, <laughs> Good for <her>. Susan Browning, <laughs> and like I'm like no. As soon as I hear that name, my heart just goes plummeting. Yeah, half of America is switching the channel. I mean, and you watch this, and I just, I suddenly was filled with like a knowledge from my teen years of this video where I was like, I am going to get to see Donna McKechnie again. That's the good news. The yeah. bad news is I'm not <laughs> going to see Pamela Myers again. She does not get a number after yeah, some crazy. But the good news is that Susan Browning does not get a number. My goodness. <laughs> um,. um I'm sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Oh, by the way, no. it shocked me when they said I can understand a person if a person was a fag. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Wait. I, 
No, that's so funny. I rewound it like three times. And for me, like I was expecting that, but I swear whatever version I watched, they dubbed it over with drag. Oh, maybe so. Because that would make sense. It would be that era. Because like, I also remember like Sondheim at Carnegie Hall in 1992 when Dorothy Loudon does her amazing mashup of You Could Drive a Person Crazy. Yeah. I'm losing my mind uh. You Could Drive a Person Crazy. She's like, I can understand a person if it's not a person's bag. I can understand a person if a person was a drag. And like <laughs> the little, the little pause and like thinking of the word is so genius and the audience like went crazy and i remember in 1992 well actually it aired on pbs in 1993 i remember thinking like (laughs) they're clapping at her comedy but they're also thanking her for not saying fag yeah um but there's no thanking susan browning for that because she said it listen dorothy loudon can say fag for all oh my god dorothy loudon could gay bash me with a stick and i would write a thank you letter (laughs) All right, so um, next up um, is Bobby Adler. Wait, Bobby Adler, one hundred to the max. But first of all, I want to say just a side note. Um, during the show, they keep they have all these Hirschfeld like cutout oh, yes. murals that keep lowering from the ceiling, and I fucking yeah. love that. It's so good. Yeah, yeah totally. And I love the set. Even actually, that, they don't they don't establish it well in the beginning. It's it's like it's still not good. Yeah, and it's not really carried through fully. But um, I but also yeah. the, the set is so beautiful, even though the weird way they film through the chairs is weird. But um, the set in itself, just I'm like that could be my bedroom, and I'd be so happy. Yeah, but it shouldn't be your gala concert, right? You know what? It, the set feels like it's taking place during the daytime. Like, you want an event like this to feel like it's happening at night. Broadway happens at night. Yeah, nightlife. I love the nightlife. Um, Okay, so, yeah, next up. My first thought when she came out into the La Mirada Performing Arts Center (laughs) was I thought of Chad Michaels' line as Cher in um, Snatch Game of, why do you keep booking me on these chicken shit gigs? Totally, totally. But I do I feel like, like, how is Debbie Reynolds an Oscar winner? Having listen, to like resort to this. Listen, that's so Debbie though. You know, she was up till her dying day. She was performing at that weird little like casino outside of Vegas every month. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm sure she needed the like money she got for this gig too. You know, totally. Yeah, to buy all that Hollywood memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, first of all. No one plays to the camera like Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. I, by the way, everything I said about playing to the camera has nothing to do with, obviously, Debbie Reynolds is absolutely flawless. I mean, she it's down to a fucking an art form with her. And she knows exactly when to switch to the other camera. Like, I don't know if they rehearsed that or she knows, knows where, where to look for the light. I don't know how that yes. works. But she, but she does. does. It in, in and that's what matters. Way. And it's so, like, no one could get away with I mean, the, the, the talk about, you know, last week we talked about Liza pulling out all these tricks. Debbie has all these tricks, but they're so much more like just like old school showbiz tricks that she picked up they're from like so... Louis B. Mayer in the, you know, 50s well, they're, or whatever. They're more, or more like vaudeville. I feel like her tricks, they're kind of like the tricks Elaine Stritch would do, except Elaine Stritch had no voice. Right. You right. know? So it's like, but it, like, 
I mean, just like all that, you know, you got the brand of kisses that I'll die for. <laughs> just like, right. I mean, no one, I mean, just milking this little standard for all it's worth and just and flinging then some, that dress around. I mean, around. just when you think, okay, I mean, this is obviously the big finish. She yeah. has one more like, <laughs> oh. I mean, and this song literally has like five words. I mean, this song is not like, it's not like verse after verse after verse. It's But she just basic. keeps building. She keeps building. It just keeps getting more and more like vulgar and yeah. just like, it's well, so, so joyful. I it's live so for joyful it. and she is just delivers. And she sounds great. She sounds great. Although I realized listening to her singing this song, I was like, you know what? Debbie has like a, a pretty voice, but it's like not a, a you know, um, a huge instrument instrument. You know, it's like a, it's not like a, a barn. But that's why she voice. uses the tricks. Yes. That's totally. the difference. I mean, where Liza uses the tricks because her voice is now broken. Mm-hmm. Debbie's using the tricks because she, Debbie probably did this song exactly. The, I mean, and she did it in Irene when she started in yeah. the seventies with her. But I mean, even if you saw her sing in a club in the forties or something, she probably would have been exactly the same. Totally. Totally. I mean, she's so old school showbiz in that it's like, I mean, talk about training. It's like, this is, she knows how to work it. She knows how to work for an audience and how to deliver but and you to know, deliver on the it's I mean she's maybe in a way in a class by herself in that presentation mm-hmm. because she understands how to perform the song live to delight the audience in the yeah. room she's yes. in yeah. how to perform the song for the cameras to delight the audience that's going to be watching this TV yeah. special at home yeah and even even cutting through the limitation. It's almost like she knows how bad the directors and producers are, but like she's been doing terrible TV specials for years. Like she knows how you still come out smelling like a rose, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny. I recently, like a couple weeks ago, I recently rewatched Bright Lights, that documentary about her and Carrie on HBO, which is so good. But there's that moment where, you know, Debbie was, as a kid, uh, Debbie tried to get, Carrie to be a singer and she wanted her to kind of follow in her footsteps and Carrie was such a rebel and she didn't want to do that. But there's footage of Carrie singing. There's that moment where she sings bridge over troubled water and it's just like amazing. And Carrie had like this real vocal talent, just like this, you know, kind of deep belty voice and, and Debbie, you know, it cuts to Debbie in the interview and she's like crying and she's like, I wish I love that voice. I wish I had that voice, you yeah. know, and, and it's, and it's so, it's just so interesting to think about now, especially seeing Debbie in this, in this moment in the show, because it's, you know, she, she's doing everything, doing it Debbie's way. I, I think that's her workout video title. Um, <laughs> and which is fabulous. By the way, if you've never how seen much it, do we love when she says hi to her Hirschfeld. Hi, yeah. Debbie. She goes, hi Debbie, which is so <laughs> Debbie. That was a good Debbie. That was almost as good as Jason Powell's Debbie. Oh, thank you. Um, my first taste of Debbie Reynolds was the animated version of Charlotte's Web, where she voices Charlotte. I think that probably was mine. I don't think I even yeah. knew that was her at the time. but Yeah, and I remember that there's that one song she sings. Um, 
He turns the seasons around, and so she changes her gown, Mother Earth and Father Time. And for some reason, that ballad really wrecked me as a kid. Oh, that's so sweet, Daniel. Yeah, I was really, that that whole story was very emotional and touching and instrumental in my uh, I love that sad movie. childhood. And I, I, love, I love that movie so much. Yeah, me too. It, me too. It really... Taught, that and Wizard of Oz taught me how to feel. Wow. Um, anyway, but... Isn't that a Sondheim lyric? Teach me how to feel. You Just know what I was quoting, though? hold my hand. Wait, what is that? Anyone? What? Did you hear me sing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what song is that? Oh, uh, take me to the world. It's very oh, uh, yes. appropriate for the isolation times. Well, and Kelly O'Hara sang that wonderfully yes. in the Rosie yes. special. Yes, Barbara, she did. So Barbara, Barbara tr- sang it n- not wonderfully in her um, uh, movie partner sing Broadway. Um, um, Bernadette um, sang it wonderfully on Mandy Patinkin's album Dress Casual, where the two of them performed the entire evening Primrose score. And anyone that oh. hasn't... Uh, listen to that ought to because um, it's pretty spectacular, both of them. But what I was I uh, I was quoting was Love Actually when Emma Thompson is talking about Joni Mitchell and she's like, she taught your cold English wife how to feel. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Rickman is like, wait, I feel like you do a good Alan Rickman. Where were we the other day and you were doing... No, I wasn't doing Alan Rickman. You just thought whatever I was doing sounded more like Alan Rickman. <laughs> Wait, what were you doing, though? You were doing Judy. I think you were doing Judy. Do, do the Judy and s- see if it sounds like Alan. What do you want me to say? Um, just do, like, intro broken records or something. Um, or talk about <laughs> Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben (laughs) Rimmelauer. Yeah, it is so very... Does that sound like Alan Rickman? It's like Alan Rickman, like, playing gay. (laughs) Um, Which he did. Which he did. Um, Wait, he wasn't gay, was he, In real life, he's still alive, isn't he? No. Remember, he died tragically several years ago. Wait, wasn't he in the movie with, um, who am I thinking of? What's the, thank you for, what's it called where she forges the thing with Melissa McCarthy? Uh, can you ever forgive me? No, you're you're thinking of, um, oh God, what's his name? Alan Rickman's the one in Harry Potter, Snape. I thought that was Snape in the movie of Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) You're thinking of Richard E. Grant. Oh, they're different. (laughs) It's so funny. Richard E. Grant. You learn something every you learn something every day. Yeah. He's we a should huge move Barbara on. Fan. We should move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're as, exactly as happened to me watching the video last night. When I pushed pause to see how many more minutes were left, I realized I was only about like one seventh right, into right, right. the entire program. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. We'll uh okay. We have to Well uh, next up there's some it. Fakakta story about which at first I was like, why is Tom Bosley telling a story from like when he was in summer stock in Charlie's aunt. But then it actually was kind of sweet to know that he and Jerry Orbach had been in summer stock yeah. together and Jerry Orbach was just an apprentice. He calls in his little which, apprentice, which I thought was a little apprentice. Um, <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then Jerry, and now they're both, Jerry Orbach, 
They're both on huge TV shows, too, because Jerry Orbach got Law & Order eventually, and Tom got Murder, She Wrote. Well, but but Tom was in the middle of his... Um, no, Tom's TV claim to fame was Happy Days. Right, but Murder, She Wrote was like... what? what it, it set the record for like the longest-running uh, Was he a regular long. on Murder, She Wrote? Yeah, he was Sheriff Amos Tuppa. I mean, the whole was, run of the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, every like fifth episode was set in Cabot Cove, and he was in those episodes. Okay, but no, but Happy Days <laughs> was a major hit sitcom that ran for years and years and spawned many um, a primetime sitcom, that spawned many spinoffs, and he was the lead. And I mean, Tom Bosley right. is most famous for Happy Days. And sure. Jerry Orbach hadn't done Law and Order yet, but he was starring in 42nd Street, as they say, the new hit show on Broadway. Yes. Um, but he sings Try to Remember from the Fantastics. And I realized that, well, first of all, they fucked it up with that weird staging of him starting off stage or walking Backstage, around the perimeter yeah. of the. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was. And like, sucked. I was like, it, I, I realized that Try to Remember. I don't know if it's that I love the music, but I don't love, I think I love the music and I love love the lyrics, but I don't think the, but I don't think the lyrics to try to remember, maybe I just don't understand it or maybe they don't mean what I want them to mean, but I keep like not quite having the journey with that song that I want to have. But also Jerry Orbach, he's singing it like, what's the character, like El Gallo, the character, um, doesn't he like intro the show with that song and it's kind of like setting the scene? I mean, I don't really know cause I've never seen the show, but I feel like that's, you know, the narrator like setting the scene right. or whatever. And like, yeah, that it's, it's like just, taking us need, back to like a simpler time. Yeah. You need to find a way to like deliver that song out of that context. And I feel like he's just like, Oh, I'm used to doing it this way. So I'm just going to keep doing it in this way. But weird I was like ready to suit. take that journey. Like I was thinking about the simpler time before COVID-19, you know, like right. I was like when life was slow and oh, so mellow. Like I was just like, I was just wanting to be in that, but somehow I just couldn't quite get all the way there. Yeah. I mean, he was, he should have been singing it to someone like you. Like I'm seeing this as I'm comforting someone. I'm, 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 this is a, an act of service I'm giving as like, you know, this, this source of comfort. But instead he was being like, you know, it was like the narrator in Into the Woods. Once upon a time, like he was very like, uh, uh, just the facts, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that's his appeal too, is that he's sort of like effortless and like, um, you know, he just has, he just has that sort of like easy masculinity, like without any like mm. pomp, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful song. And then the next then... number is a mixed bag because on one hand, it is another pointless fucking pointless. dance number with the American dance machine exploring Wait, I wrote this down. So I'd get it exactly right. I said mid century phony heterosexuality is just so boring. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> totally. I mean, And it goes on so long. But we get Cheetah. You get Cheetah. And it's amazing to see Cheetah, who, by the way, at this moment in time, did not have a Tony Award, if you can believe it. So crazy. The woman had Um, already starred on Broadway in the original casts of West Side Story and Bye Bye Birdie and Chicago, not to mention quite a few others, and had not a Tony to her name. 
so weird. And and those kicks, those high kicks. Those I kicks, mean, I don't care honey. about dance, but I care about kicks. dance if it's Cheetah. Well, and the thing also I realized about Cheetah watching this was like she's so good at like physical comedy. And oh my God, yeah. Just like, you know, she knows how to get a laugh. She knows how to use her body to yes. get laughs. Yes, oh my God. My my note on Cheetah was dat ass dough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But seriously, like, I kept being like, I can't watch this number. I have to watch it for Cheetah. I can't watch this number. But I want to say, and I do mean this as a big fuck you to the American Dance Machine, ultimately, Mm -hmm. I did fast forward. Well, I didn't fast forward, but I did, like, you know, go refill my beer or whatever. And But I kept waiting. I I kept, you know, such blue balls because I was like, okay, when is she going to sing? I want her to sing. I want her to sing. And then she never gets to sing. I mean, I would like to quote the great Seth Rudetsky, who mm-hmm. said, Cheetah Rivera, famous for her dancing, I loved her for her belting. Yeah, yes. It's so true. It's like, I love watching her dance, but like, also knowing what we know of her. I'm like, girl, we want you to sing. She does get to do some good belting later in the broadcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so, anyway. Um, next is like, that- really geriatric summer nights that we were discussing. Uh, it is very not cool. I mean, first of all, maybe this is generational because, you know, I mean, I was born in 76 and the Grease movie came out in 1980, but obviously like, I don't remember like the Broadway musical show from like my like, you know, toddler right. years. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe not obviously, but as a point of fact, I do not. Um, so the Greece that I knew as along with the Greece that everyone else born after that knew was the movie, which is a huge movie and a great movie. And I'm yeah. sorry if the original production was something different. That was a parody, a spoof of the 1950s, but mm-hmm. like who the fuck cares? That's not what yeah. the movie was. The movie was something else. I mean, and the movie created these archetypes of John yes. Travolta as a perfect Danny Zuko yeah. and Olivia Newton-John as a perfect human being and perfect Sandy and Even Stalker though, Channing as what? the witch in Into the Woods. Um, yeah. I mean, Stalker is so good. Olivia, watching it now, I'm like, ooh, she's, she is, that is uh, not the face of a high schooler. No Tino Shea, but no, wasn't she like none, 30? No. No, they were all 30. Stockard was like 48. But like, no, but Olivia was flawless. And Olivia sang in that voice no, that she was, was like wonderful. as belty as Patty and like as country as Dolly and like as beautiful as like Rebecca Luker. I mean, yeah, Olivia Newton-John is like wonderful. everyone should want to be Olivia Newton-John when they sing if they're not going to just be like Ethel Merman, you know? And yeah. she is wonderful. She just, I'm, she doesn't look like a high schooler. That's all I'll say. That's all I'm going to say. How can you... None of them look like high schoolers. She looks more like a high schooler than John or Stockard. Uh, Why are you picking on Olivia? Well, I don't. I don't necessarily. I mean, maybe Stockard because yeah, but Stockard was literally fifty. <laughs> but I think John. John, I, I bought as a like a young rascal. No, you bought John as a hooker because he had money <laughs> and he had the night free. But anyway. <laughs> But, but that wait, that, wait, wait, song, wait. that defined I, Greece for us. So I really don't want to see people play those parts who aren't those types, to be honest. Mm. And I certainly don't want to see people that are like in their, you know, like 
late forties <laughs> and just like, just the way they did. I take notes. There was some weird vocal thing. I mean, Barry Boswick is the least of the numbers problems. Also, right. it's like Barry Boswick and Carol Demas, whose other claim to fame, by the way, Carol Demas's other claim to fame is like being fired from the Baker's wife and replaced by Patty LaPon. Fresh on the heels of being fired from the Baker's wife. Here's Carol Demas. But like, <laughs> like, but also to uh, uh, fuck. I forgot I was gonna. Well, say. one of them says they say horny at the beginning, which I thought was crazy. I was like, oh my god, can you say horny on nineteen eighty? Oh, no, but this TV? is the thing. Who are those other people? Okay, the original cast of Grease had like all kinds of crazy people in it, like like Mary Lou Henner and Adrian Barbeau and shit. You mm-hmm. know, not to mention that it like toured forever with like everybody from like Randy Graff to Judy Kay. <laughs> I understand <laughs> that may not be that big of a range in some people's minds, but to me it's a lot. <laughs> but but the thing is, like, this is I'm pretty sure this is the American dance machine playing all the other parts. Yeah, like, totally. I don't want to see it's... some like random bitch be like, cause he sounds like a drag. Like, yeah, I mean, that is, I need a Rizzo. I don't want summer nights without Rizzo. That's like a night without stars. Well, Literally. so what I just also I just realized I may have to like completely go back on what I said earlier about fag because I think this is the song that I wrote the fag note about because um the part where no, Rizzo lyric, says cuz he, he sounds, sounds like a drag is the lyric not fag. Okay, well we'll see I thought for some reason I was getting that mixed up with um you could drive a person no, no, crazy that makes sense. Totally. because I knew there was some song uh, that that had <laughs> that, fag as the original lyric, and so listening to this song, I was like, "Wait, did they just did they just dub out fag and say drag instead?" Confusing at, it with um, that one, so maybe that was where I was coming from earlier. I can't remember. I'll have to and go my back best friend Marissa's wedding, she had an after party that was like karaoke, mm-hmm. and um, we were doing summer nights, and I was Rizzo. And like mm-hmm. when we got to that, and I was wasted, and we got to the, this is like two in the morning or whatever, and like in Maui, and we get to um, that part of the song, and I was like, because he sounds like a fag, and in my mind, in my drunk mind, I thought everybody was gonna like burst out hysterically laughing. Of course, it was like a drunk, loud two in the morning like karaoke party, and every it was like a huge room like packed with people, nobody noticed. But I turned to the person I was standing with, and I was like, is that bad that I said fag? And they were like, look at the groom. And and Ryan uh, was um, holding his microphone like a penis and using it to like butt fuck everybody standing near <laughs> So I didn't ruin the wedding. But I but I but I also thought of that lyric as being either way. Yes. Um, um, anyway, so, um, so this is a travesty. Is... Wait, are you oh, I love by it. the way, I I no, I was talking about Greece. Um, oh, I do oh, really yes. appreciate um, Tom Bosley making his little statement about the longest running. Oh, when he introduced Greece, when he's like the longest oh, running yeah. show, isn't that and crazy? He's like, it, he's like, it wasn't My Fair Lady, and it wasn't. Uh, I forget what the second one was. And he's like, uh, and it wasn't West Side Story. And I'm like, West Side Story ran for like two years tops. Tom Bosley, yeah, go but, down. Um, whoever but, wrote this, but really. But really, but really, he was just making a joke about happy days, which made me happy because, like, I felt yeah. like, oh, by the way, I was wondering, do you, as a millennial American, um, like, did you even, like, do you even know happy days? 
I mean, I watched the odd episode, you know, back in the late 90s on Nick at Night between I Love Lucy and Mary Tyler Moore. But wow. I never really got into it's it. It's like a completely. dagger. You know, it was like it was the friends of the early 80s. Well, there was, you know, it was like a male focused show and that wasn't my my It was brand. not a male focused show. Yeah, I mean like Fonzie, Ron Howard, you know, those were like the the main characters, yeah, but right? Joni, Mrs. Cunningham, like Lulu Stinker Tinkerton or whatever her name was. <laughs> Wait, who were the female stars of that show that I would know? Well, Erin Moran, I mean, now she's a crazy Christian, no offense to your family, but like, um, I'm into that, but she, uh, but she was Joni and she and Scott Baio, who's really crazy, but they were like the romantic, like young leads. Mm. So, so Erin Moran was a big deal. She was like a sex symbol of the early eighties, you know, like in those like Sergio Valenti jeans and Mrs. Cunningham, uh, what's her name? Marion Ross was like the ultimate like TV mom. She was like, she was. She oh she was like now I'm not glamorous like Shirley Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was scared you wouldn't laugh, but it was just no, the I digital lo- delay. I love a good. But no, Marion Ross Jones was like friend. so lovable. Like Marion Ross made me wish I weren't Jewish and like I had like a real mom who like baked cookies and like had red <laughs> real hair. Mom? <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> Wait. And, okay. Um, so also. And there was all Ron Howard's girlfriends who were like, you know, including at full circle, Crystal Bernard, who toured in Annie Get Your Gun featuring Lena Hall. Yeah, really, real full circle. We um, talked about that with her, remember? Yeah, full circle to like four months ago when we interviewed her. <laughs> That's when I my life began. <laughs> um, waiting for life to start. Um, okay, so next. Waiting for life to begin. Next, House uh, of Flowers. Sleep and Be by Diahan Carroll, which yes. I fucking love this number. What did wow, you think? Tell me why. Well, okay. Well, I love her. I love, love her. watching her. I think she's a thrilling and deep and moving and beautiful performer. She's just so aesthetically pleasing in every yeah, way. Beautiful. And like, I just always like, I love that like her like, physical aesthetic um, is just one of like beauty and like gentle yeah. grace. grace. And yet, and yet, you know, I loved her and got to know her first on dynasty where she was like the black Joan Collins. And she was just like, mm-hmm. I mean, she was a little nicer than Alexis Carrington in her character, Alexis Colby in her character as Dominique Devereaux. But, um, but she was still pretty much like a hard bitch, but yeah, so, but, and you hear that too, as much as her voice has like this beautiful, like almost kind of soprano-y upper register, her belt is much more like angry Judy Garland. Mm. Um, and so I love to watch her and to hear her. And I wish I'd seen her in Sunset Boulevard. Yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, I'm a Harold Arlen queen, but yeah. I have oh, never yes. liked this song and I just can't yes. get into it no matter how I hard I try. I knew you didn't like it. First of all, I <laughs> love this song. This is like make one me of my love f- it. Teach me how to feel. Favorite bar. I mean, Barbara Streisand saying this is the. I think mm, I don't know what track it is, but it's on her first album, and and she sings this arrangement, uh, and it's it's so. I just love it so much, and and there's that story um, that people tell about Barbara about you know, before she had recorded anything, before she was a singer, before she was even at the Bonsoir, she 
was kind of toying with the idea of uh, using her singing abilities to make money while she studied acting. And <laughs> she sang for those baked potatoes. <laughs> That's right. And so she sang this for a couple of friends of hers, but she told them to turn around and face the wall because she was too nervous and she didn't want them to look at her when she was singing. So she just sang this song a cappella. And then when they turned around, they had tears in their eyes and they were crying. They're like, Oh my God, that was amazing. You have to sing. And so that, you know, was when she started booking these club gigs and this became a staple of her repertoire. But I just love this song. I don't know what it is. Like, um, you know, it's I get uh, so Truman bored Capote. listening just, to it. I don't know. I just think it's like such like young youth innocence, like, and it's so beautiful, especially when with someone like Barbara or, or Diane Carroll, where it's like, like they just use that kind of innocence and grace to like, communicate no kind of no, no, no. Uh, don't naivete. look innocence and grace are my brand and <laughs> don't talk to me shut up <laughs> okay um well but also, i'm glad that I, it worked for you well i i i love this song but also i love i loved diane carroll like i thought yes she first of all her the hair is just the same as everything in the brady bunch like and it's truly yes, just it is it's truly it's truly the same hair as cheetah rivera in this very concert just like scaled up a bit um and the red dress yeah, but, but it's like wait you can't i mean cheetah i mean i'm kidding like, but it's like you it's look like at a, cheetah and you're like well cheetah mm-hmm. like you cheetah actually was like way less pretty when she was younger <laughs> yeah, she hadn't really settled into like her her like pixie. That's not even a pixie that she has now, but whatever the haircut she has now. That I mean, face I think of Cheetah. like Cheetah grew into her face in her sixties when she was in Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> I love stars that have to grow into their face. And I mean, um, in fairness, she had several faces to grow into. But, <laughs> but Diane Carroll's flawless. We love her. Okay, so next um, up, speaking Tony of Perkins. people that we want to have sex with, yes, yes, Tony Perkins. Um, Although I'm pretty sure he has like full blown AIDS in this video. I was thinking that I was like, this so it's so weird that this was the early '80s, like pre AIDS, but yet most of the gay men in this special probably had AIDS already. And most um, of all, Tony Perkins was probably like the patient zero. Patient of that zero. <laughs> um, now it's kind of impressive. And I'm not saying that he sounds good, but it's kind of impressive how good he sounds considering that it's 25 years since he did the musical that it's from and how hard of a song it is and the fact that he really has not been singing much since then. Well, yes, and hearing him sing this, I was like, first of all, he's kind of like a faggy Dean Jones. Like, it's very that... He's Mayor very aesthetic. Dean Jones. I think, I think that, well, I believe he was Sondheim's boyfriend at some point in the late 60s. Oh, my. And I believe at some point he was possibly going to do company. Like, oh. maybe it was before it was even company when it was still, like, kind of the same idea as Follies and they hadn't, like, parsed it all out yet or something. Mm. I, you know, I'm not sure how early in the in the the um, evolution that was. But it, uh, that was something that kind of was on in talks at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, this song, Never Will I Marry, I mostly know it because of Barbara. I think it's, is it the I second, mean, the second album? Yes. No, no. I think it's the third album. Third album. So yeah. 
Never Will I Marry. I'm like, this truly speaks to Barbara's genius because like, and uh, Peter Matz, who, who arranged all her songs in those albums. But like this, Anthony Perkins delivers just such a straightforward um, reading of this song. Whereas Barbara like really takes it to the next level and creates like a whole like three act play with it. Well, and, so does Judy, but the problem is that, yeah. like, the song is untenable. I mean, unless you're Barbara Streisand, like, in her early 20s, mm-hmm. you pretty much can't sing this song. I mean, this song but, has such a wide range. Like, why does it have to go, like, never, never will I marry, never, never will I marry? Why does yeah. it have to go up there? It no, does not I have to go that. up there. It no, does, of it's course so I thrilling. love it. It's thrilling when Barbara does it, right? Because when Barbara yeah. does it, it's like, it's one of the few intervals so wide that even <laughs> young Barbara shows the thrill. Like, well, it's even so at- wide that even, like, Superman, like, young Barbara Streisand still has to, like, accommodate the interval. Yeah, you know, and, and at and the Judy, end. Judy, it's just, like, thoughts and prayers, but, like, it's thrilling <laughs> because it's Judy. Whereas Anthony Perkins, it's almost like someone singing it off. I mean, it's such a different register. It's almost unrelated to what's happening in the rest of the song. Yeah, totally. And he's um, like, never, never, never will I marry. <laughs> yeah. He like changes his accent. He sounds like he's from the Midwest and then he sings the high note like he's Richard Kind. Yeah, it's very Dean Jones. Um, but I mean, at the end, even Barbara even changes it. Uh Born to wander until I'm dead. And she sings it real high and to the breaking point. Um, yes, but, you know, she, but it's, a, it's a choice. It's a cho- I, oh, I mean, can you imagine, or you can, but can you, it's so weird to think about Barbara's like reckless, uh, but ultimately genius choices back in the day. And now just like the safety of, the safety and subsequent lackluster delivery of uh movie partners sing broadway yes <laughs> now um speaking of broadway um i realize <laughs> what i hate about this video is the opposite of what i love about patty lupone which is patty lupone always creates the feeling that tonight is the most important night and this is the most important audience. And we are in the, we are privileged yeah. to be watching her, you know, bring the house down yeah. to give us, you know, the highest possible stakes. Mm-hmm. And there's something about this whole thing. I mean, I feel like Tom Bosley plays it like he's like smoking a pipe in an easy chair. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, int- when he introduces Godspell, it's all just so like th- this like cozy dad. He might as well be wearing like a cardigan. It is so the yeah, opposite totally. of like a thrilling event, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like that was it, that was just very in keeping with the time. You know, it was like they were trying to. They were like, "Well, we're you know coming. Where where, where did this originally air? Like PBS or something? Probably, yeah." So it's like, you know, in 1982, it could have been on Showtime, you know? Yeah. But it's like they're coming to, you know, middle America in their easy chairs, winding down after a day's work. It's like, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, what what were the, you know, meetings that took place before this? What was like the tone they were trying to set? Who knows? I I don't know. Anyway. But 
Um, the Godspell anyway, number is Godspell. fun, and all I could think about is that this is Carolee Carmelo's favorite song. Yes, from the show. yes, and truly one of my favorites as well. Like I wrote down, it's a like, fabulous song. I fucking love this song. But just, I just kept thinking like how much I want to hear Carolee sing like "Turn Back, Oh Man" or like "Day by yeah, Day" or like "By My Side," and Beautiful she city. wants to be like some men are born to live at ease, doing what they please, richer than the bees <laughs> on honey. <laughs> Um, Okay, so then after this, moving right along, is Nell part two, where she is showing the judges versatility, honey, because this song Uh, is the highlight. And I and I really and I really got Nell. Like we talking about it. I was thinking that you might. Yeah, this really did it for me. I'm so Um, happy to hear that. It's so it's so beautiful and so moving, and you just hang with her on every word. Yes, and the fact that she's she's like sitting on the edge of that weird like landing on the stairs, and it's it's uh, she's just so grounded and 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 in it, and just telling the story. It's she's just I mean she just has such a rare gift because when I watch Nell Carter sing like this, it's like on one hand she's an actress and she takes me. Every single word. Mm. I'm just hanging on it. It's like watching, you know, I could be watching Judy Davis do a monologue or something. You know, it's like, it's so, uh, I said Judy Davis, but I meant Judy Dench, but Judy Davis too. Like, um, you know, (laughs) it's, you know, it's just, I'm just so hanging on the words. Yeah. But then, but then musically, I could be listening to like Ella Fitzgerald or Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'm absolutely hearing like an S O N G. Yeah, totally. Well, that was the very experience I had watching her in this number. I was like, I am hanging on to every syllable, every word, every phrase, every line she says. Yeah. Um. So I love that. And I also love this song, uh, which I also should say, I love the Bernadette version of this song. Yes, the Bernadette one is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. For anyone that hasn't think, I know I'd say my things about Bernadette and people get their panties in a bunch, but I (laughs) let anyone come for me about Bernadette after looking at my iTunes. I guarantee I'm a bigger Bernadette fan than they are. Yeah. I just don't, as as Elaine Stritch would say, I just don't agree with all of her choices. <laughs> but but, but, uh, but so Bernadette's patty. the seat. I know I said that came out as Patty, but it's an Elaine line. I just don't agree with some of her choices. But there you um, go. <laughs> but uh, but you know Bernadette's first two albums uh, from I don't think it was like seventy eight and eighty or seventy nine yeah. and eighty or seventy eight and seventy nine. It was Bernadette and now or sorry, it was called Bernadette Peters, and the second one was called Now Playing. Were only ever released on a CD called Bernadette that combines almost all the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a uh, what is it? What's the medley? It's Mean to Me together with I don't know why I love you. I just do. Is that the combination? I don't know, but I have it. I don't know why um, I love you like I do. I have it on I vinyl. I just do. Um, anyway, uh, but anyway, those, the, for anyone that thinks they're a Bernadette fan but doesn't know that album, and by the way, I love Bernadette's other albums. I, I mean, not the Rodgers and Hammerstein thing that much, but I love uh, the album called I'll, I Love I'll Be Your Baby Tonight and I love uh, Sondheim Etc. and Sondheim Etc. Mm-hmm. Etc. So and I, even as much as I love those albums, I will tell you that Bernadette 
is her best album. And her mean to me is um, worthy of being discussed along with Nell Carter's. Totally, totally. Um, hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's called it's called Bernadette, and it's um, the CD is called Bernadette. I don't, or, you know, I don't, or, or the way it is on Spotify or whatever is as Bernadette. Yeah, I don't know why I just do. Yes, slash, I don't know why I just do. Into me, into me. me. Yeah, and um, I don't know why oh, I love God. you like I do. That's such but that album a is good so album. spectacular. Number such two, don't. Um, Number number ten, other lady. Oh my oh, god! Oh god! I mean, so but every every single track, only wounded. Every track. I never thought I'd break. Pearls, a singer. I could write a book Pearls about Pearls, a singer. A singer. It, it's yeah. all. I mean, and and for no good reason. Broadway baby, also spectacular. Also um, spectacular. Top of the top of the list. Top, top of the list. Opening, and by the way, you want to hear Bernadette's best belting? It's on that album. Between, uh, I mean, the last note in Broadway baby is. Absolutely thrilling, mm, and the yes. high belting and other lady. I mean, it's it, it's spectacular. Oh, sorry, only wounded is the other one with the crazy high belting. They're all spectacular. Anyway, we're off topic because anyway. Bernadette, oh, unfortunately, yeah. is not in this broadcast. Yeah, Mel um, <laughs> Carter does a beautiful version, and then we get to straight into Robert Morse. And you well, have to say straight into it, but he introduces him, Mike. I mean, I have my complaints, um, but. But the fact is, you can't complain. I mean, you're getting Robert Morse recreating his original, you know, star-making performance from How to Succeed. But I feel a little bit like he already did the movie of How to Succeed. Mm. So why would he want there to be a video of him looking way less cute, doing a slightly less good and very truncated, out-of-context version? Yeah, yeah, it does seem like there's a and lot I, of And I think I on. only want this song done by Twinks. I really don't <laughs> want creepy. And you know what? I think I don't like Robert Morris. I mean, he's one of the two that we were bitching about in drag in my favorite Broadway. Right. Um, well, and but I'm not- remembering now, I saw Wicked in San Francisco before it got to Broadway. Was and Robert wizard? Morris was the wizard. And then they fired him oh. and they replaced him uh, with... Uh, uh, I want to say Joel Grey, but it wasn't Joel Grey. Wasn't it John well, McMartin? Joel, Joel Grey was the original Wicked cast. Yes. So they fired yeah. him and replaced him with um, with Joel Grey. Uh, yeah. Both of whom, by the way, I find a little too like old and creepy for that part. Like I wish it had uh-huh. been like a George Hearn or somebody. Man. Yeah. Um, um, but well, especially Robert Morris. I hated him when I saw him in Wicked. It really dragged the show down for me. And I thought it was such a good choice that they got rid of him. And um well, were you and I don't Mad like Man him here. Watcher, Mad Men watcher. Yes, he was fabulous on Mad Men. So but there's good. a difference between playing a weird, right. creepy old character and right. and playing a musical theater character that isn't supposed to be like that. Right. And I think watching him in uh I've never seen How to Succeed, but watching him in this number I was like what you're saying. I was like, you really, cause he's not like a singer singer, you know, he's like one of those old school, like can carry a tune, but like really doesn't have a lot of like vocal talent. Um, but he, but I feel like song, when he was like young, it probably was more like in the pocket, you know? Well, but he, and he could also deliver it because he was young and cute and like a little quirky and eccentric, but like you're saying, well, he was he gets, very quirky and eccentric and he was a little cute, but gone. Okay, switch it. But you know, when you age, when you age out of that, like you're saying, it becomes a little creepy and like I know I'm uh, so scared awkward. of what's going to happen when I start aging out of my cuteness. That'll never happen. 
Thank you, honey. Um, um, anyway, so speaking the, of the someone bottom line who... is, I just wish Liz Calloway were singing it instead. Yes, please lead the discussion so someone, on the next number. Someone who could never age out of of just fabulousness is Alexis Smith coming on to sing "Could I Leave You," although I didn't like it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, first of all, through no fault of hers, or at least through you know not really her fault. Um, she's the one who's filmed in the most egregious camera close-ups singing into the close-up that really make you feel like you're in a studio and not in a live performance. And it just feels like so odd that she's doing this like stagey Broadway number into the camera. Um, I mean, this song is completely devoid of any emotion or, or, um, you know, what everything you want from this song I mean, it's so meh. It's, I mean, I, I literally wrote down, she's, I literally wrote down meh. And then I wrote down, she's just singing it. Like, it's almost like she's, she's doing a cold read. It's like, she's doing every rhythm. So as of the part that she won a Tony for that yes! launched the second act of her career. And I keep thinking I'm the problem, like an abused child. No, I'm like trying no. to like find fault in myself because I'm just like, give me the humanity of Jan yeah. Maxwell. Yeah. Give me the genius musical comedy panache of Donna Murphy. Yeah. You know, yeah. a little I bit of anger. I don't want this. I don't want to hear somebody be like, sweetheart, I have to confess. Yeah. I don't want Could that. I leave you. Yeah. It, it, it I want too... a fucking singer. It's a musical. Why are they giving me Glenn Close? Oh. In fairness, Glenn Close couldn't hit that note if her life depended on it. No, she certainly couldn't. But I feel like Glenn would at least, like, give you, you know, a little bit of meat to chew on. I feel like Alexis Smith is just, like, thrown by the camera or I don't know what. But But she's an all-time movie star. Yeah, but she just seems so, like, uncomfortable and and just not... so out of it, just not not in it, not in the. So yeah, element. we don't we don't know what the problem is, but it do not work. But the dress, I will say, I was like, no, she, she looks like a zillion dollars. She kind of looks like Rue McClanahan, but with like <gasps> a, with like a B. Arthur dress. <laughs> that is not what I was thinking at all. I thought oh, she looked no. glamorous and beautiful. You don't think Rue is glamorous? In like a trashy, like my grandma Dottie when we went on a cruise on the dress up night kind of way. <laughs> you know, that's all I care about. Um, uh, I mean, me too. But like, I was trying to like speak to like the audience. Right, right. <laughs> so um, is she. Um, anyway, moving on. Well, let's just skip right past the next number because I do not need to see the American <laughs> Dance Machine yeah, do a big band number. I don't Charlie's care if it's Donna place. McKechnie. I was about to watch this for Donna because I love her so no. much and she's in it such was, good I did, form and it here. wasn't worth it. But you know what? There are so many good videos you can watch of Donna McKechnie dancing. You do not need to watch the American Dance Machine do a big band number. I mean, it was truly and, like. And by the way, minutes. if I were going to jerk off to big band dance numbers, I'd want to see people dressed in the fabulous frocks of the '40s, not this fucking romper room nonsense costumes that are in this TV special. Mm, that was beautiful. I like that uh, fabulous frocks of the '40s alliteration. I love you so much. Um, you don't have to say it back. It's okay. Wait, sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> Said I love you so much. Oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. Uh, I, I, it's you too must have late. Cut out. The moment's gone. Anyway, someone we both love is Cheetah Rivera coming up next, yes. finally singing for us. 
and she's saying Little something- Old New York, although in the yeah. set list it's called Little One New York, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Little Old New York is plenty good enough for me. She's so funny. It's from a it's from a show called Tenderloin, which I've never heard of in my life. Um, I have to say that when she does this number, at the very beginning, she only gets to sing like two phrases before it immediately becomes a duet with Renee yeah. Ceballos, who's another fabulous performer, but not that great of a singer. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Cheetah, in her two lines at the beginning of the song, manages to transform this shitty thing into a thrilling event. When yeah, she starts yeah. singing, suddenly you feel the excitement in the room. The hairs on your neck stand up. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly feel like a little person in a big room filled with other little people watching a lady triumph. Mm, I love that. That's all you it's, want. She you makes it feel theatrical. Like she yeah. makes it theatrical. All of a sudden it gets theatrical when she just starts singing. And and it makes that number sustain. And yeah. maybe because it's about the the gay 90s, it's far mm. enough back that it's like more fun to watch the American dance machine do their thing as opposed to trying to be like cool in the contemporary material. Right. But this yeah. number is watchable. It's watchable. And and Cheetah, like I said before, she's just so funny. And and I never really thought about her music uh sorry, her physical comedy talents before, but it makes sense, you know, she knows how to use her body. Now, speaking anyway. of knowing how to use your body, <laughs> the next number is Len Cariou singing Pretty Women from Sweeney Todd as a solo. Yes. And I want you all to think about the fact that this is a man who has had sex with both Glenn Close and Lauren McCall. Really? Yes. How do you, wait, how do you know that? I mean, do they, he told, do they no, talk No, everybody about? knows that. It's like a fact. Oh. Okay, cool. Well, no, I mean, it's like well documented. They were like a thing, you know. He, I think he was married to Lauren McCall, but I, mm-hmm. but he and Glenn Close were together for like some time. I love that. I'm loving Glenn's Instagram videos, by the way. Like, I look forward to them every day. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, so Pretty Women. I, I have to say, I love this song. It so is much. I mean, I know so it's much. like you know, breaking news. Pretty Women's a good song, but. No, you know what? For me, it was breaking news. Like, I love it in the show because it's a dramatic piece. Totally, totally. The the only two ways I've ever experienced this song. Barbara ruined it for us. Don't don't even. I've either experienced (laughs) it with Barbara being angry that she's ruining the ladies who lunch with this song, (laughs) or I've experienced it in Sweeney Todd, where I thought it was like a dramatic, perfect piece of writing for the moment. Totally. When he was singing it out of context. I felt like, is this one of Sondheim's most beautiful, ravishing, romantic ballads? Uh, I mean, absolutely. not romantic in the sense of like a love like, song to a love person, story, yeah, but yeah. just ravishing, you know, just yeah. rapturous. Like, romantic just, in I the just romantic composer. Yes, like the music was just soaring for me, you know, and I just felt like, I mean, for a minute, I actually went down this rabbit hole in my mind where I was like, is this Sondheim's most beautiful song? Mm, I, I did the like, same thing. That line, it, proof of heaven. I was just like, oh, this song is proof of heaven. Jeez. It really, it was so, so lovely. I really, really loved, I really, really loved him doing it. Yeah, same. Um, now, unfortunately, <laughs> the next number was 
another Sondheim original cast star turn. It yeah. was fucking Glynis Johns singing Send in the Clowns. Now, let me tell Who you something. He wrote the song for, basically. When you see a star perform a song from their original show some years after the fact, mm-hmm. very often you have to balance in your experience the thrill of seeing them recreate their magic to the extent yes. that they they do with the natural diminishing of their gifts over time. Mm-hmm. Glynis Johns only ever had a broke down croak of a voice. So <laughs> what difference does it make that 10 years have passed since a little night music? It shouldn't make any difference at all. So why don't I like this performance? Um, I didn't mind it. I mean, I, I, I mean, think the first thing I thought was, am I music driven? Uh, I mean, but, maybe I feel like you're getting more music driven the older you get. No, that's not true at all. As I'm getting Is that older, not true. I'm, I've always lied about being lyric driven, and it's becoming more true as I get older. Oh, like I mean, let's be honest. I never liked Patty for her lyric interpretation. <laughs> well, yeah, you you got me there. But if you want the lyrics, read the libretto. Um, but um, she never said that. But um, but no. But you know what actually killed me from the get go with this is that what? I really need send in the clowns to start with that um, like um, do 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 do. Oh, the the the, 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 the like is it cello or, no. or I need that musical phrase. Da, 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 yes, yes, yes. Da, da, that's what I need. That's yeah, what I need. It's like, and I don't care if it's piano only or if it's the New York Philharmonic. I need that phrase. Yeah. And this had some kind of bullshit, easy listening swell that weren't that. Mm. And then. And, and and maybe that hurt her too, because I feel like in the original, she's very like, me here at last on the ground, you in midair, where are the clowns? Yeah. Send in the clowns. And here she was like, me here at last on the ground, you in midair. Like she was holding mm. the fucking notes for the full length. And it didn't sound good, and it felt wrong and bad to me, and I was hating on my life. Well, so I had I, I actually didn't mind it, and I and I wrote, you know, um, first of all, I, I kept thinking, is this? I mean, she is such like the old lady Haley Mills. It's so crazy. It's like both that like old English training. But, yes, um, I think Haley Mills eventually did play Desiree, but God, totally, totally. Um, but this, the thing about this song is. I I've said to you many times this is like not one of my favorite Sondheim songs it and actually it is one of my favorite songs. I don't love this Sondheim. I don't love this song uh you know I I don't hate it but it's not one of my favorites. But it's because I need to hear it. I like it when it's being sung by like an older woman of a certain age like I love the um the Judy Dench version. I love yes. that Elaine Stritch version from the Carlisle. Yes, yes, that's my favorite, the Elaine Stritch one. Yeah, and this one I loved because it was like this. It you know as much as 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 good as Bernadette sung it, 
And as, you know, Judy Collins made it famous, but like, I hate her version because it's so like, it's just like this young girl, like, do, do it in the plums. Like, no, I need to hear like an old broken down has been star singing this song um, to provide some sort of, you know, weight and context. And, and I feel like Glynis, you know, for all of her vocal um, limitations, I still... I still loved it. And I thought this is the type of person who should sing this song. Well, that's for sure. Although for the record, I actually enjoy, I mean, I love her original recording and I actually do enjoy the Judy Collins one and the Barbara Streisand one and the Betty Buckley one. I mean, I like a lot. I like the Frank Sinatra version. I like people doing vocal versions of the song. Um, Mm. But I also, and I also really love the Judy Dench version and the original Glynis recording. Yeah, I love that one. But I, I didn't and... like this Glynis performance. Although I did, she did win me back over when she did the reprise duet with him, or even before that, even when she just did the part after the um, special material written by Barbara Streisand. Yeah, it was very Barbara Streisand partners, and no one else Why? did that. In Why the did show? they do this weird truncated version? All of a sudden, we're doing like so much dialogue. It was so weird. Well, I was like, in some world, would like, would it be possible that Glennis Johns was like, I really need this dialogue to get me into character, you know, to Maybe. give me some like motivation for the next verse. I mean, obviously the audience felt it because they gave her a full standing ovation that no one else had gotten. Yeah. I mean, the audience, who they chose to ovate in this evening was so puzzling to me. Totally. <laughs> I mean, the that could be the editing, choices. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, okay, we have to move along. So next is Ray Walston singing Those Were the Good Old Days from Damn Yankees. And I don't know any yes. of these words, but. Um, <laughs> What's funny is that like when he, when that, when I realized that was the next number, I was like, I don't even remember this being on the broadcast. And I was like, I, I was like, I don't know why Ray Walston is so famous to me because I definitely saw the movie of Damn Yankees a few times as a kid, mm-hmm. but like. I feel like I know him as well as I know Vivian Vance, which is obviously like far from true. And I know right. that he had like a big hit sitcom like called, I think my favorite Martian, but okay. I have never seen it. So well, I know I, him from the 76 movie Silver Streak with Jeanine Wilder and Jill Clayburg, which is fabulous. And he plays like a villain. Wait, was he in Twin Peaks or am I confusing him with somebody else? Uh, I don't know. Wait, I'm I looking it up. I don't think I suddenly so. I, am I like, him up last night. Wait, I think he was on Twin Peaks. Was he? I mean, he's very... I was, wait, I, that would like, explain it. The player. I think Parker Lewis can't lose. I mean, there's a guy on Twin Peaks that's very him, but no, but I don't see it. I don't know. I and mean, he just feels so familiar to me. I mean, yeah. I know who he is, but he feels so, like, more than familiar. I feel like he's, like, an actor that I've, like, somehow, like, grown up with or something. Mm. And and the last thing on I Damn Yankees is, like, the straightest musical that I do not give a fuck about. <laughs> if I didn't care about it with, like, Jane Krakowski and Sean Hayes and Cheyenne Jackson and Randy Graff, I'm yeah. certainly as sure as shit not going to give a shit about this. <laughs> Nonetheless, I couldn't stop watching it. I just loved him. <laughs> Really? I don't know. I think this is one of the one of the numbers I, I went to the bathroom during. But um, what I did write down is he's very, he has a very like David Hyde Pierce quality. 
How nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They Say It's Wonderful is another, like, weird, um, like, weirdly non-moving Ethel Merman performance. Which is, yeah, coming up, which is next. And, um, uh, yeah. They They Say It's Wonderful. They say it's wonderful. And this is when I wrote down wig question mark because I swear I saw a little lace front action happening in the front. But surely, I was definitely like more looking at Grinder on my phone at this point than looking at Ethel Merman. Yeah, totally. Um, and this, wait, was this the end song? No, this is the second to last song. Yeah. And then the, the closing number is uh, Jerry Orbach singing Lullaby of Broadway. Yes. And um Bette Midler has ruined that song for me though because if oh god I love her I, version I know and so I no that's what I mean I can't yeah, hear I it not have that excitement Oh god Bette's version is so good so I good. um and then Ethel gets the final bow of the evening as well she should as well she should and is it just me or was there like two intermissions for this show? Like they, I mean, they I took like, like a, five intermissions. <laughs> yeah. But they did like curtain down blackout like twice, um, during the broadcast. Anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was thrilling and, and, you know, it introduced me to many, uh, Broadway stars who I'd never really been exposed to. So I, I felt yeah. educated and I hope our, our listeners will as well. You can find it, um, on YouTube, Showstoppers, right, is how it's listed on YouTube. Oh yes, it's called on YouTube. It's called Showstoppers: The Best of Broadway, and it'll be on yeah. our our Broken Records uh, yes. podcast playlist. One hundred percent. And yeah, again, I, we've gotten lots of good feedback from y'all. Um, oh, but you know we, what we forgot to do last week? What? Dolly concert kill. Audra Marin Judy. Oh, of course. Oh god, that's so good. Um, okay, for me, I would have to say oh god. I mean Audra Dolly. Um oh god. This is mm, it's so hard. I mean Audra Dolly, I, mean, I guess. You want to pay extra respect to Marin because she's not You're with right. us, but she's already dead, so it's easier to kill her than like poor Judy, who like is Here's doing so much for the progressive cause. That's right. I I'm more into Judy's voice, and I would I would probably rather sit through a Judy concert because I love sit her so much. Through that, I know that sounded so negative, but I didn't mean it that way. I would rather, um, you know. Uh, it's in a, you know, Marin and Judy would both be wonderful, but I think I would have to choose Judy just because I love her voice and it's so perfect and unique. But I have, I've seen Judy several times and I've never seen Marin, but I'd have to say Judy if I had to. Sorry. I mean, it's, I feel like and it's gauche to say that, but sorry. Kill best of all from, from this week's program, program, <laughs> program, program. Uh, Mary, uh, Dolly concert kill. Donna McKechnie, no. Pamela Myers, and Susan Browning. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess I would kill... I mean, I know I would kill Susan, and I guess I would say Donna McKechnie for Dolly and... Um, Pamela Myers. Pamela Myers for concert. 
I see. I would do Pamela for a concert because I think she's so funny. For Dolly because I think she's so funny and quirky. Mm. And Donna, I just want to see in eyelashes and just like you know, I choose the set list. Yeah. Well, um, who would you choose for Audra, Marin, and Judy? Same. I mean, you're kind of like backed into a corner with that one, right? All right. Well. Okay, well, we'll, and we're going to still think about what to do next week. But, um, yeah, if you have any suggestions, please reach out. Yes. Slide into the DMs. Yes. Daniel loves when people slide into his DMs. I do, honey. It's it's getting lonely out here in bed (laughs) Just in bed. Uh, That that always, but... (laughs) All right. Well, we love you. Love you, Ben. No, Ben. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.